Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Grace Church. How's everybody feeling tonight? Awesome. Why don't you just clap your hands this, this evening? Welcome the presence of the Lord into this place. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad you've chosen to be a part of Grace Church tonight, and I know that you're going to be blessed by what is done here, by the Word of God that's going to go forth. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just open the service with prayer tonight and ask God to, to just meet with us in a great way. Is that all right? You help me pray tonight. Jesus, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise, Lord, and we know that where two or more are gathered, you're in the midst. And so tonight, Lord, I just pray that your presence would envelop this place. I pray your anointing would flow. I pray you'd anoint the teaching and preaching of the word and let our hearts and our lives be changed and challenged by the word of God tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As always, we appreciate your faithfulness in giving to the kingdom of God. We appreciate you giving to Grace Church as we propel and propagate the gospel and the ministry of this church. And so on your way out tonight, you have the opportunity to give in the lobby that we call Grand Central. And if you're online, you can give on our website by just going over to the website and clicking on give, and you will be able to, to, to make your gift and your donation that way. God bless you again for your faithfulness. And we began 21 days of sacrifice on Monday. So God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I want to just remind you that we are participating in 21 days of sacrifice. And along with that, of course, prayer. I uh, believe that prayer and fasting go together. And God's going to do great things as a result of this effort. I believe that. We had a tremendous prayer last night here on campus for our first Tuesday prayer. And I believe that God is, is setting the stage now to do great things. So be encouraged. Keep fasting. Keep Keep going on your 21 days of sacrifice that we started on Monday. And then don't forget the service at 11 o'clock Sunday. As always, we'll be meeting right here on campus at 11 o'clock for the service Sunday. Before Brother Jason Cooper comes to share the word of God, I did want to just share one quick thought with you, one moment of inspiration. Um, probably uh, you, like I, have, have either heard, said, or thought that you just kind of wish 2020 would 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 get on get through with and let's get on past it and get to 2021 and hopefully there'll be some hope in 2021. Uh, if I haven't said that, I've certainly thought it. Um, just thinking that 2020 has thrown a lot at us and I'd really appreciate it if we could uh, put 2020 in the rearview mirror. I've come to realize though that that is really not the will of God. I don't believe God wants His church postured that way. I don't believe he wants us as Christians to, to think in those terms. Uh, as Pastor has preached uh, on Sunday, he's also given a word uh, that God gave him. God knows exactly where we are in 2020, and things are getting ready to change. Things are getting ready to, to improve, and when they do, and this is, God gave Pastor this word. He's mentioned it to us publicly from the pulpit that, that, that we're going to see God perform mighty things. We're going to see God show himself mighty in that, in that time. So I don't believe that 2020 is an anomaly. I don't believe it's something that we should just, just hurry or hope that it hurries and rushes on by. And there's a scripture, really a promise in the word of God that I think we've overlooked. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know it was in the word of God. So that's how, how bad I overlooked it. 
but it's found in Psalm 65, 11. I came across this scripture this week, and it's, it's tremendous. I, I'm reading the King James, but I'm just changing thou to you and, and to make it a little more personal. Talking about God, it says, you crown the year with your goodness. The Bible says you crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drop fatness. Now, that's Old English. That's King James. That means your paths are abundance is what that really means. So God is going to crown this year with his goodness. 2020 is not over yet. We still have some 2020 left. That's right. Amen. Come on. It's not over yet. And before it's over, I believe we're going to say that God has crowned this year with his goodness. I believe we're going to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. I'm going to believe we're going to look back and we're going to say, God had this whole thing in the palm of his hand all the time. And so I want you to trust in that. I want you to believe in that. I want you to claim it. And it says that God's paths drop abundance. I believe it's not just survival. We're going to thrive in 2020. In the rest of 2020, we're going to thrive in this year. God bless you. Hold on to that. That's a promise from the word of God that we can live and that we can hold on to. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from Brother Jason Cooper tonight. He's coming to bring the word of God. Always, always blesses us, always has a word from the Lord. Would you clap your hands and make Brother Jason welcome this evening? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dave. And uh, it's great to be with you tonight, Grace Church, and always an honor to be able to stand in this pulpit and deliver to you what I believe God has given to me. And uh, Sister Patricia, it's just good to see you. It's good to see the rest of you too, but I'm really glad to see you, Sister Patricia. I miss you. During his uh, message this past Sunday, Pastor alluded to the thematic vein that's been running through the messages that have been delivered from this pulpit uh, over the last several weeks, and I know Brother Ben Tier has a word that he believes God has given him that he plans to present to us this coming Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that. But I hope to be able to contribute another footnote to God's word to us during this season with this effort tonight. You're going to hear a mix of voices as I attempt to deliver what I believe God has given me to say it's like a, like a good gumbo that's been sitting in the refrigerator for a couple of days. Y'all know it's always better after it's been in the fridge for a couple of days. Well, this one's, this one's been sitting for a while and marinating. Um, so tonight you're going to hear some ideas that uh, some of them came from Stephen Furtick. You'll hear some ideas that came from Darius Daniels and Jensen Franklin. You'll hear some stuff that came from Glenn Murphy. There's even a little bit of Jason Cooper in here. But it all comes from Jesus and from his word. But there's just this old former English teacher in me that just will not let me present someone else's ideas as my own. So I want you to know tonight you're hearing from a lot of sources. I've got a lot of sources tonight. And I also want to warn you, uh, tonight is not going to be very Bible study-ish. So if that's what you came expecting tonight, I need you to readjust your parameters. I'm giving you what I've got. It's the best thing that I've got. It's all I've got, and I hope that you will engage and let God talk to you. We're going to read some scripture in just a moment. Y'all hang with me just for a minute, but there's some things that I need to, to get off my chest. I've heard certain phrases quite a bit over the last four to five months 
and I'm just kind of sick of hearing them. Uh, phrases like, in these uncertain times. Come on, somebody. In times like these. Or now more than ever. Showing up in commercials and advertisements everywhere. Now more than ever. He went to Jared. Well, praise the Lord. I don't even know what that means. But I'm, I'm just tired of hearing them, y'all. They're, they've become cliche. They've lost their meaning. Another one that I've, I've really heard a lot is some variation of the people just need a return to normalcy. Or when things finally get back to normal. Or, Sister Murphy, I'm just, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. And everything will be okay. But you know, I, I don't hate that one, though. I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I get it. I know what people mean when they say, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. I understand that sentiment. I've, I've said it myself a few times since the 13th of March. But I also know that some of the very same people who are complaining now about wanting to get back to normal are the same people that were complaining five months ago about everything that was wrong with their life. Five months ago, you needed a break. Five months ago, you were stretched too thin. Five months ago, you were losing your mind. Five months ago, you were too busy. Five months ago, you couldn't stand that dude at work. Always stood too close and had bad breath and wanted to tell you stupid stories about stuff you didn't even care about. Five months ago, that was normal, and you hated it. Now you're praying to keep that job. You're telling God, Jesus, just whatever, I'll never complain about Carl and his bad breath and his stupid stories again. Lord, I promise, just, just get me back to work. Get me back to normal. Come on, somebody. Five months ago, you couldn't stand your kid's teacher. Always sending home notes and projects and remind messages and homework. Five months ago, you complained about that teacher every day, and you were praying in Jesus' name that she would retire, move, or be carried on to her heavenly reward, just whatever it took, just so your kid could have a different teacher. Now that you've been the different teacher, you know, you're sending emails and handwritten letters to every school official and politician you can think of. Look, whatever it takes, you've got to get these kids back in school. I will buy a hazmat suit in school colors. Whatever needs to be done, just as long as somebody else will teach these kids pre-algebra and social studies. It's funny how what we hated about normal back in March and what we thought was terrible, no good, one star, would not recommend, what was a drudgery, how what we prayed for God to take away and told him how much we needed to change, it's funny. How what we considered a curse in one season is the same stuff that we're praying for God to give back in August. Look, all of us, all of us, the entire human race, we have trouble navigating normal. We've been struggling with normal almost since the very beginning. 
And I want to show you some things in Scripture this evening that, that God's really been talking with me about, hearing it and, and seeing it, reading it everywhere when it comes to normal. So I want you to say the title with me tonight. Repeat after me. It's time to say goodbye to normal. Look at your favorite neighbor and tell them it's time to say goodbye to normal. Now, look, we're going to read a few passages from Exodus and Isaiah tonight, uh, but they're kind of long, so I want you to be seated while we do it. But I do want us to stand and pray over the preaching of the word first, and then we'll be seated for our text. So stand with me tonight, and let's pray together. Lord, you know exactly who's here. You know what they came in with. You know what they need to hear. You know exactly what's going on in their lives. There's not a single thing happening in a single life here tonight that's taken you by surprise or has you puzzled. Lord, you have divinely orchestrated and ordered this service. You've given me a word to speak. And, Lord, I pray that it would go forth and be effective tonight. Your word cannot go forth and return void. I pray that you would help our hearts and help our minds to engage with what it is that you want to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, that was weak. In Jesus' name, y'all better get on board. You can be seated. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. It says, therefore, they, being the Egyptians, did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Watch verses 13 and 14. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter. Everybody say bitter. Bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Verses 13 and 14 in the New Living Translation says this, So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all of the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all of their demands. Let's go now to Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. It says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. The NIV says that they were terrified. Another translation says that they panicked. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. One more passage from Isaiah, and then we'll bring it all together. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 15 through 19. The Lord spoke to Isaiah and said, I am the Lord, your Holy One. The creator of Israel, your king, thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. 
They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to set the stage for you for a little while tonight and talk to you about the power of normal. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, which is the first passage that we read this evening, we read how Egypt treated the Hebrews ruthlessly with slavery for 430 years. The Hebrews lived in Egypt as slaves. That's generations of slavery. Don't skip past that fact, y'all. Father to son, mother to daughter. My father was a slave. My grandfather was a slave. My great, 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 great grandfather was a slave. Same thing on my mother's side. Generation after generation, their inheritance was bondage. Their culture was slavery. It was, it was a mindset. It was an attitude. It was a national identity. It was all they knew was slavery. It was all their fathers had known. They did not know how to be anything different. They were slaves. And the Bible tells us that their lives were bitter. They couldn't control what they did the next day, much less control their own destiny. It was a bondage, not just of the physical body, but also of the mind and of the spirit. Slavery and forced labor dominated every single aspect of their existence. When they got up, when they went to bed, what they ate, when they ate, what they wore, how they spent their time, those decisions were made for them every single moment of every single day of their lives. And I just don't think we have a modern-day frame of reference to really understand it. But then along came Moses and Aaron and ten plagues and the first Passover and after so many generations of slavery and the economic and cultural upheaval of the ten plagues, these Hebrews are finally leaving Egypt as a fledgling nation. The Bible tells us some 600,000 men of fighting age, somewhere between 2 and 3 million people in total, setting out from Egypt to go and settle in this new land. And now we come to Exodus 14. And it's a story us churchy people know so well. This is the third time I've been in the pulpit over the last few months, and I think it's the third time you've heard about Exodus chapter 14. You've been in church five minutes. You've heard about this story, Israel at the Red Sea and being hemmed in on the sides by the geography of the region, the Red Sea in front of them, no way to pass through on their own. Pharaoh and his army behind them, heavily armed chariots and soldiers intent on bringing them back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to that old bitter life, back to that cycle of hopelessness and fear. And the scripture that we read in Exodus chapter 14 and 10 says that they were 
sore afraid. Now look, I, I might just have to preach a little bit on a Wednesday night. Y'all can sit there and be quiet if you want to, but I got to tell you what God gave me. Because Israel is terrified, and the people are crying out. And they're crying out to God, and they're crying out to Moses and to each other. Not God save us, not God deliver us, not God preserve us like you did three weeks ago whenever the death angel was coming through. No, they're crying out to go back to Egypt. Even though their life in Egypt was terrible and ruthless and cruel and oppressive, even though while living in Egypt they had no control over themselves or their future and they had no hope for anything better to ever come other than cruel labor and eventual death, even though the life that they had known in Egypt was demeaning and degrading and destructive, it was the only life they knew. It was the only life they had ever known. Y'all ready? It was normal. It was their normal. And even though their normal was suffocating their present and, and literally killing their future, preventing their growth, causing them constant pain, breaking their spirit every day, here it comes, here it comes. Even though their normal was something they knew they had to get away from, in a moment, here it comes, of fear and panic and uncertainty, they cry out, we just want to go back. We just want to go back. We just want to go back to what we knew before. Moses, please, God, please, just let us go back to normal. This journey that you're taking us on into, into something new, this isn't what we thought it would be. My expectations aren't being met. Oh, and my needs aren't being met. This isn't what I signed up for at all. I didn't sign up for unknowns. I didn't sign up for uncertainty in impossible situations. Can we please, please just get back and go back to normal? I like this part. They say to Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die in the wilderness? The sarcasm is literally dripping here because Egypt was famous for its graves. The pyramids, heard of them? Tombs, graves. It, it would be, it would be, it would be like saying, is there not purple and gold in Baton Rouge? Well, of course there is. Everybody knew there were plenty of graves in Egypt. Egypt made monuments to death. They had gods of death. They built cities about death. Egypt was synonymous with death. Now, here we are in 2020. And we'll sit back with our coffee in a recliner and do our daily devotion and read Exodus 14 and, and come through all of this language of sarcasm and, and fear and panic. We'll get judgy real quick. Well, they just didn't have faith. They just didn't believe God. They just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, hold up, Captain Sunday School. Because you know the end of the story. They didn't. And it's a whole lot easier to have faith 
and be obedient when you already know what's going to happen. But when faced with the big unknowns, when dealing with risk and no guarantees, it's not so easy, is it? Come on, you mean to tell me you've never spoken unfaithful words in a moment of fear and uncertainty? You've never said something you regret and had to repent over when you were scared and you couldn't see what God was doing in your life? Listen close. God's trying real hard to get through to somebody on a Wednesday night here at Grace Church. Israel is having a very human reaction to the tension all of us experience when God leads us toward leaving behind what we know is normal and walking forward into the new that he has prepared. It's easy sometimes for us to look down our spiritual noses at what Israel said and how they reacted in some pretty difficult moments. It's easy to judge what somebody else does during a time of uncertainty and difficulty and change and transition. But if we're honest, I wonder how often we derail the freedom that God is trying to give us. Not because we don't want to be free. All of us want to be free. Every person in this room tonight, you've got something you want to be free from. We all want to be free. But we derail what God is trying to do in our lives, not because we don't want to be free, but because we're scared to death of the unknowns that that freedom implies. It's not normal. And it terrifies us to the point that we would rather go back to a stagnant, destructive, hopeless, futureless normal than to walk forward into the unknown and the unusual. And this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounds like. I know this relationship is destructive, and I really want something better for myself, but if I leave this normal, who or what is going to fill this void in my life? God, I want something better, but I'm scared that I'll end up alone. So we cling to and we cry out for normal. I've tried to get out of this addiction before. And even had freedom for a time, only to be sucked back in once again. And I want to leave it behind forever, but what's going to fulfill me and make me feel peace in those moments when I feel so empty, so we cling to and we cry out for normal? I know this job is killing me and it takes all of my time and my spouse and my kids are lonely and the demands are harsh and unrealistic, but it's all I have and it's all I know how to do. How would we ever make ends meet without it? So we cling to and we cry out for normal. Can I just tell somebody, God wants to set you free from your normal. God wants to bring you into a different territory where your future is wide open and you have room to grow and room to prosper, but getting there means saying goodbye to normal. Come on, somebody. It's time. It's time. It's time to say goodbye to normal. See, there's a, there's a tension between bondage and freedom between normal and new, where we have to live in this dimension of faith and trust that is unfamiliar, 
and uncomfortable. And sometimes it doesn't fit right at first, and it doesn't feel right. So we, we tend to pull back to the comfortable and the familiar to the feel of our normal, back to the shoreline, Pastor Murray. Not realizing that what we've been praying for and what we've been asking God for and the change that we so desperately need, the freedom that we really want to experience is on the other side of this tension between normal and new. Exodus 14, 13, Moses tells them, Fear not. Fear ye not, in the King James. Just don't be afraid. Moses realizes, this is significant to me, he realizes that it's their fear speaking when they cry to go back. They weren't terrible people. They weren't a bunch of degenerates who just love sin and rebellion. They weren't immoral, evil people who just wanted to live in bondage. No, they were just regular people experiencing fear in the middle of a transition. Just regular people trying to figure out how to deal with this tension that exists in the space between normal and new. And the danger in these moments, Grace Church, is that the normal that we're trying to get away from in one season is what we're trying to get back to in another. Look, Pharaoh was coming after them not to kill them, but to drag them back into slavery. Pharaoh represents the old. Egypt represents the old. Pharaoh is the old that fed you, but he's also the old that you fear. So he sustained you, but he also shackled you. Pharaoh fed them and provided for them and gave them what they needed to survive, but Pharaoh also killed them and worked them to death and made their lives bitter and destroyed their future. Remember, Pharaoh told the Hebrew midwives to kill the Hebrew babies, the, the Hebrew boy babies that were born. He was giving them just enough to survive. Somebody needs to listen to me right now. Pharaoh was giving them just enough to survive in bondage, but he was also killing their babies. They could not reproduce. They could not grow to their full potential because what was feeding them was also killing them. It's time to come out. It's time to come out of that cycle, somebody. I don't know who you are. It's time to come out of that cycle of dependence, of fear. It's time to come out of that dysfunction and that, that stagnant slavery, that mindset and that attitude. It's time, it's time for somebody to finally just say goodbye to normal. God's got something new for you. And it's on the other side of this, this change that has you so terrified. I find it interesting that Moses told the people. His instruction to them was to stand firm and be still. Not, not hurry up. Not get busy. Not, not more activity. Not do more, be more, perform more. But just stand firm and be still. It's almost like Moses is telling them, in, in the middle of this tension, in the middle of this change, you don't need to do more, and you don't need to be more, or try to hurry up and try to act. You don't even need to fight. 
what you see is coming against you. What, we, what you really need more than any of that is to stand still and see what God does. And that's so counterintuitive to our logic and thinking. They didn't have to fight Pharaoh and his army. They couldn't have. They didn't have to push back mountains of water with their hands to make a way through on their own. They couldn't have. They didn't have to sink or swim on their own either. All they had to do was wait on God to open the path before them, and then whenever it opened, they had to walk. That's what God expected them to do, to walk. Wait and walk forward into the new. But in the moments of of stress and pressure brought on by the unknowns of a situation, when change comes knocking at our door, we don't always want to answer that. We don't want to answer whenever change comes knocking. We don't always want to walk forward. When new shows up, (laughs) we don't always embrace it like we thought we would. Because it doesn't look like what we expected, or it's not what we wanted. Man, I'm teaching so good right now. Let me talk to you about new for just a minute. I'm coming in for a landing. Earlier in our text reading, we went to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 19, where God told the Israelites, this is This is amazing. He told them through the prophet Isaiah, I want you to forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Isaiah chapters 42 and 43 are prophetic. It's foretelling how the nation of Judah would be conquered and taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And it, uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words some 120 years before the Babylonian army would ever roll into Jerusalem, destroy the city and the temple, take the best and the brightest back to Babylon, and they would be indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture for 70 years. But before those 70 years of Babylonian captivity ever happened, God spoke a promise through Isaiah of how he would eventually deliver them, and that's what we were reading in Isaiah chapter 43. Now, here's where I really want you to lean in and listen. Because God told them in no uncertain terms, Judah, you messed up. You messed up, and you're going to pay a price for it. Seventy years of captivity in Babylon. And yes, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out. But it's not going to be like last time. It's not going to be the normal way that you're used to. You know all about me making paths through the mighty waters. You know all about me wrecking armies and and drowning uh, chariots. You know all about streams in the desert when I caused water to flow out of a rock. You know all about paths through the wilderness. See, these events, these miraculous events from the book of Exodus have become a part of their national identity. They sang songs about them. They referred back to it over and over and over again about how God had helped them in the past and and, and this was evidence of God's presence with them as a people and His favor on them. These events were the evidence that they were God's chosen people. But now God is telling them, when the time is right, 
And when I'm ready to finally bring you out of Babylon, I'm going to do something different. And it's not going to look like what it looked like last time. It's not going to look like what mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa have been singing about for years. It's not going to look like what your tradition has you used to. Come on, somebody. And you're not going to go out the same way that you did last time. And I'm not even going to do the same miracles like I did last time. It's still going to be a move of God. And it's still going to be a miracle. And it's still going to be deliverance and redemption. It's just it's still going to be a fulfillment of my promise to you. But it's just not going to be what you're used to. I'm not doing ten plagues again. I'm not doing Passover again. I'm not doing the Red Sea again. I'm not going to do that sweet water from bitter water again. I'm not going to do that water from a rock again. All of that stuff that you're used to that's so ingrained into your history that it's a part of your DNA. All of that stuff that's been your evidence of my favor and my presence and my hand on you as a people. I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't know if y'all are hearing me tonight, Grace. If you are so focused on how he's worked in the past and so fixated on what you consider a normal move of God, when it comes to how he works in your life, you're going to have some trouble seeing and perceiving his hand on you in the future. God told him, behold, I do a new thing. Not the next thing, a new thing. We like the next thing. Because the next thing reminds us of the last thing. The next thing. Just like the last thing, only in a different package. That's why you buy the same model of car. And you shop at the same store over and over again. It's just like the last car. Drives just like it. Controls are in the same place. It's comfortable. I like it. Shirt fits just like the last shirt I bought from that store. We like what we know, and we are so skeptical of the new. But God didn't say, I'm going to give you the same thing. And he didn't say, I'm going to give you the next thing. He said, I am going to do a new thing. I'm not going to bring you out like I brought you out in Exodus. This isn't going to be another Exodus from Egypt. I'm about to do something new. Listen, God brought his people out of Exodus one way. And he brought the remnant back from Babylon another way. And then he brought salvation into the world through Jesus a totally different way. He does not confine himself to a method. It's not normal. It's, it's a new thing. We say we like new things. We say we do New car, new house, new clothes, new phone. But the reality of new is change. We don't like change. You got a few weird ones out there that thrive on it, but most of us, We like what we know. We like what makes us comfortable. 
But Jesus did not come to justify our current lives. He came to give us real life. And transformation, transformation is change. It's not the same old, same old, just in a different package. This is new life. It's change. So maybe you're here tonight and and you're longing for new. Just longing for something new. Longing to break out of the cycle. Man, I have hope for you because that is the gospel message. That is God's plan to restore man and bring him into newness of life. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is God's plan to bring the new thing that he has for you into your life. And maybe you're here tonight, you've never experienced those things. Maybe you're watching online, you've never experienced those things. I want to tell you tonight, God has something new for you, and it begins with a new life of repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Spirit. And you know what? There's not a better time than right now to enter into a new life. But I'm talking to a bunch of churchy people tonight. You've got all that down. Got it covered. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise the Lord. I don't know what society is going to look like next year. I don't know what church is going to look like next year or next decade. But if I understand Scripture... It seems to me that God uses times of upheaval to bring glory to his name. And it might not fit neatly into our paradigm of comfort and normalcy. But guys, I want to be open. I want to be open to whatever it is God wants to do in my heart. Whatever God wants to do in my family, whatever God wants to do in my church, whatever God wants to do in my community, set expectations aside. Y'all listen to me, and please understand where I'm about to say. There's a part of me that just doesn't want to go back to normal. Running myself ragged. Work is normal. Church is normal. Just the daily grind. I don't want to go back to that normal. And we've got an incredible opportunity. I know that there have been losses and heartaches in the middle of this COVID pandemic, but we have got an incredible opportunity to engage with God in a way that we haven't ever before, to see a revelation of his nature like we haven't ever seen, and to break out of cycles of normalcy that have had us bound for years and years and years. It's time. It's time to say goodbye to normal. It's time to come on, stand with me. Stand with me. It's time for us to embrace whatever it is that God has planned for his church in the future. It's time, like Pastor Murphy preached a couple of Sundays ago, it's time for us to leave behind the shoreline. There might be a storm and he might look like he's asleep in the back of the boat, but maybe he's just trusting us to take it to the other side and seeing where our faith will lead us. I'm ready to say goodbye to normal. I'm ready for God to do something different in my family. I'm ready to see people saved. I'm ready to see people going down in baptismal waters here in this church like we've never seen it before. But it's probably going to mean saying goodbye to normal. Let's pray.
Lord, I tried real hard tonight. I really did. Tried, tried real hard to deliver what you gave me and deliver it in a way that I felt like uh, you wanted me to. I can't see people's hearts, and I can't see people that are watching online. But I believe what I said earlier, the promise of your word, and that your word cannot go forth and return void. So maybe you're banking this one, Lord. Maybe you're just filing this away into our hearts and spirits, something that we'll come back to later. I believe that there are some people just like me, Jesus, that are just discontent with normal, that want to break free from the bondage of the past, that want to see newness of life. Lord, and things that have sustained them in the past have also killed their future, stymied their growth, and they're just tired of it, God. So, Lord, I just want to say for me, can't speak for anybody else, but I just want to say for me, okay, okay, I'll yield. I'll say goodbye to normal. I'll leave behind the confines of the shores of the past and embrace whatever it is that you have for my future. Lord, for Grace Church, we're so hungry to see you do something. Lord, it's, it's, that's, that's new and fresh, and I know, that, I know that involves change, and I know it involves transition and a certain amount of uncertainty, but God, you've been with your church from the very beginning. You've never left it, and you'll never let your church fail. So God, whatever walking into new means for Grace Church, for your church around the world, God, we want to embrace that. We want to see it come to pass. God, do the new thing in us, through us. For us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Grace Church. I love you.